Kyle Chuckers here on the Hammer Down Show. Jared back on Monday. Let's go straight to the Hammerhead Hotline and bring in goldandblack.com's Brian Newbert and self-proclaimed NIL truther. Good afternoon, Brian. Good afternoon. Right now I'm a self-proclaimed hammerhead. <laughs> there you go. I like that. Um, so the NCAA, Brian, uh, re- reiterating with all this uh, craziness that it does, in fact, have rules. Not sure it's really come up with anything new here other than to say, hey, uh, if you're a booster, you're not supposed to be doing some of this stuff. And, you know, what we recommended not doing before is, in fact, the case. Do not recruit to a school. Do not use money to recruit to a school. Do not use money to keep a player at a school. All of that. I mean, none of this that the NCAA has come back out and said really is new, right? But to the NCAA's credit, perhaps at least reiterating its stance here uh, to to challenge some of what has happened over the last month? Yeah, but now they have to enforce it, and now it has to hold up legally. And that's where the challenges are going to lie here. Because, you know, obviously, as people who follow college basketball especially well know, um, the NCAA does not have a tremendous track record at enforcing its own existing rules. But I think right now is maybe at least an opportunity to you know um throw some threats out there and at least chase some of this stuff back underground uh that doesn't fix whatever problems have come from this and the problems you know aren't centered around the athletes getting what the athletes have obviously long deserved the problem is that there was a very fine line you know between the spirit of name image likeness and ncaa recruiting rules that have existed for decades and what needed to happen a year ago was the NCAA needed to come out proactively and say, okay, there's some real gray area here. There's some things we need to interpret. There are some mandates we need to lay down. And they just didn't. They just put out this thing like, here are three guidelines for how to <laughs> conduct yourself with with name, image, likeness. One, follow your state laws. Hey, thanks. <laughs> you know? <Yeah. laughs> um, and then one, don't use it to recruit. And then two, don't use it to retain, or three, I, I, I have no ability to count right now, um, don't use it to retain athletes. Those weren't even rules, those were guidelines. Yeah. But again, the the line was so blurred between guidelines and existing rules that you just created all these loopholes that the brashest and most aggressive and most clever of the people who were probably finding ways to funnel money to players in the first place. Anyway, they ran right through them. And, you know, the NCAA is kind of hamstrung legally by the by the Austin case in the Supreme Court about the NCAA not having the right to limit um, money paid to athletes that is tied to education. Mm-hmm. Uh, so the NCAA has been completely spooked by the prospect of litigation getting involved here that they have that they just punted on 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 responsibility here. This spring has been a complete debacle in terms of sham NIL deals and overt booster activity with with recruits and with existing student athletes and it has become the exact opposite of what name image likeness was supposed to be. It yeah. has become the opposite of all of what the NCAA's longstanding recruiting rules have been. So now the NCAA at least is saying, Hey, um, guys, don't forget we still have rules here and if you're breaking those rules there's still rules, and we're still going to try to shut you down. We're still going to investigate you. Um, there, you know, 
throwing out a lot of saber rattling to try to, you know, at least gain some control over this. But they let the cat out of the bag a long time ago. A, by not being out in front of this before it even hit, and then not really doing anything when it first really came to bear. It seems like the NCAA is more willing to sort of jump into the sandbox here and risk getting sued because probably it feels like it has no choice but to do that. Either it does jump in and do that and then wins a lawsuit to be able to keep you know, some of this in check, or it just so, so much spirals out of the control that the NCAA becomes irrelevant as an organization, right? I mean, it, it yeah. sort of has to try to fight back here. And the response yeah. from the response from the agents, the boosters, these collectives has been, yeah, yeah, bring it. I mean, uh, their feeling is that the the Alston case sort of opened the door for them to do whatever it is that they want to do, regardless of what the NCAA says. That and they were doing it anyway, uh, in in some form or another, probably. But yet, yeah, you know the NCAA has jumped into the sandbox, as you put it, after all all the neighborhood stray cats have already used the sandbox for yeah. their business. <laughs> yeah, that's, um, that's good. Not to get too graphic on you, <laughs> but um, what the NCAA is doing here is that this is clearly a product of what its membership is demanding. And yeah. it, the NCAA is its membership. It acts on behalf of the presidents and the administrators and whatnot who are the members of the organization and so there was probably some outcry um about all this telling the NCAA to try to get this under control you know when it was the organization in the first place that didn't do anything um in the first inning of all of this um so they're reacting I'm sure to what the presidents are are and the 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 presidents on behalf of their athletic directors on behalf of their coaches are probably demanding that they do yeah, but again, you know, there's not a lot of legal precedent on the NCAA side here. When the Supreme Court shoots you down nine to nothing on antitrust issues over generations, um, you know, it, it that's a tough thing to to overcome. But they are two separate issues here. Name, image, and likeness is something different from the NCAA's historic historical historical rule book and. Yeah. That's where they're trying to trying to draw the line in the sand, not the sandbox, the sand, um, <laughs> on all of this. But that needed to be done months ago. That needed to be done a year ago. Yeah. That needed to be done three years ago. That needed to be done ten years before this even you know became a reality. Uh, it, it just it just wasn't. And now you're playing catch up. Uh, you're trying to uh, you're trying to close Pandora's box here, and you're trying to put the genie back in the bottle. Whatever sort of. <laughs> Whatever sort of, you're trying to put the toothpaste back in the tube, whatever (laughs) analogy you can come up with for things that aren't being taken back, um, that's what's going on right now. Talking to Brian Newbert of goldenblack.com on the Hammerhead Hotline. Uh, From a Purdue perspective, how does this all shake out ultimately? I mean, Purdue has sort of carved itself out a spot, I think, in the greater uh, college athletics landscape as being a place that does things for the most part uh, the right way. I don't know that anybody completely does things exactly yeah. to the line. I mean, I think that you know if you probably you know take a deep dive into any athletic program, there's some gray areas. Um, and I'm not saying that as a criticism of Purdue. I'm just saying that in general. But that the Purdue for the most part is seen as a school, and I think you know 
I think it's doing it the right way. Yeah, uh, follows yeah. follows the rules and, and does you know what it's supposed to do. Yeah. How does this all shake out for Purdue? Does does Purdue and then other schools like Purdue? Do they do they fall behind the Miamis? You know, Miami was a powerhouse a long time ago, but it hasn't been the case now. Yeah. Uh, it hasn't been the case recently in in really any sport, right? I mean, at least the the marquee sports. Does Purdue? I mean, in the in the short term, in the long term, in the medium term, in every term, does it fall behind the schools like Miami now in in the in the college athletics hierarchy? Well, situationally, you were already behind the people who were cheating, and you know that's just that's just been the reality of it. Is once certain people were taking competitive liberties, you know, it was going to be really hard to beat to beat those schools for players. I think what this did was this 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 granted some measure of cloud cover for some of these places who were doing certain things prior to naming the likeness coming along. This almost gave them a little bit of credibility. It's like when the mafia tries tries to go tries to go legitimate by <laughs> yeah. by 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 investing in 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 real estate or something with laundered Marty, money. Marty Bird. Yes, Marty and Wendy Bird um, for the cartel. <laughs> um, but I think that you know Purdue was never going to be that school that jumped into this hook, line, and sinker, uh, two feet in in terms of the overt paying of athletes. I don't know if you'd even have the capability to do that if you wanted to, because you know some sports cultures are very different than others. At Miami, you've got all these. All these big shots down there, all your all your Nevin Shapiro's who yeah. want to buy clout and want to buy you know fame or, or whatever, and want Miami to be good. You know Purdue doesn't have that sort of that sort of cocaine fueled culture, you know stuff like that. Um, nor do they have probably the money um, on their side uh, to do that sort of thing. But I think that. Um, when this all started and these sham collectives sort of sort of became a thing, um, which should never have been should never have happened because this was this was the complete antithesis of what NCAA rules have always dictated. Yeah. Boosters cannot directly involve themselves with athletes, with recruits, and boosters sure as hell cannot give them money. Um, now obviously they were being legitimized to a certain extent by the name image likeness part of this. But when Nigel Pack's making four hundred grand a year at a rate that you could get an NBA player for, you could get an NFL player for, you can get Kevin Costner for, whoever you want to go get. Whatever sort of athlete, whatever sort of um, person of certain standing you could get for four hundred grand, but you're spending that money on a transfer with no household name recognition, with no All-America honors, with no real NBA cachet, somebody who Miami fans had never probably heard of before he, you know, transferred to Miami, that that's not that's an overt recruiting violation. That that is the definition of extra benefit. That there's no fair market value involved in that. It's the example I keep giving. You know, had Zion Williamson gone to Duke and a McDonald's in Durham had hired Zion Williamson to, for a thousand dollars an hour to work the fry machine, <laughs> you can't do that. Yeah. You cannot do that, and it's the exact same thing um, in spirit, and that's what the NCAA needed to shut down. That's what these collectives were doing. You had players out there with millions of dollars on the table, 
players getting paid north of a million dollars a year to come back to their schools uh, to bypass the NBA. Oscar Kashibwe is one example. I know Trace Jackson Davis has had a really robust offer on the table. Yeah. Kofi Coburn has had a really robust uh, had a really robust offer on the table that he turned down to try to go pro at Illinois. Um, but this is not what it's supposed to be. They took the spirit of name, image, likeness from the outset, and they just trampled all over it. And um, the collectives were the ones behind it. Um, it was sanctioned. It was semi-sanctioned booster activity. When I say semi-sanctioned, I mean it wasn't necessarily legal, but it wasn't illegal either because there were no rules for for name, image, likeness. To your question about Purdue, well, Purdue had to. If it looked like Purdue, if it looked like you know the whole collective scene was going to be the conditions on the ground, the terms of competition, everybody had to respond. So, you know, I know Purdue at least worked behind the scenes to try to get their collective going. I don't think it was ever going to be the sort of thing that was going to um, outpay Miami for Nigel Pack or or whatever. And I I doubt deep down Purdue was terribly comfortable with it, but Mm -hmm. if that's what the game was going to be, you have to play the game to a certain extent. Um, as you said before, I don't know if anybody in this business is completely clean, but every different sausage manufacturer, you know, puts different amounts of disgusting <laughs> in their product that you don't want to know about. Yeah. But that's the, that's the business of making sausage. And God, I, I am on fire today with, with <laughs> the analogies. Um, but Purdue was going to have to find a way to compete in this marketplace. I don't know if they were ever going to get to a place where they were going to dominate that market pl- marketplace. Yeah. But I think a lot of the players they would have lost to big fat NIL deals, overt legal cheating, I think were guys you were going to be really hard pressed to get anyway. The reason that this is a forefront issue at Purdue right now is because Purdue's in the transfer market after they had a really good team this year and they're recruiting the best players possible um, off of the transfer market in this very unique time in history when all these dudes have agents some of these guys are getting talked into the portal by the prospect of big name image likeness deals any other year I think I I think Nigel Pack's at Purdue Um, I can't say that for certain but I think if this hadn't been this very unique time in history, this very unique set of circumstances. Um, it has become maybe more of an acute issue at Purdue right now. Um, and it wouldn't be an issue if Purdue was still recruiting the level of transfer, you know, they probably were 10 years ago. Yeah, you've got everything sort of coming together at the same time. The, the you know, yeah. the, the one-time transfer rule, the grad transfers, which I know has been around for a COVID while. Year. COVID year, the NIL, all, all of that uh, dancing here in, in 2022. All right, uh, one more for you, and and we'll let it, let you go on a, on a different topic. Uh, is Tom Brady worth three hundred and seventy five million dollars to do TV over ten years? What has to happen for you to be able to justify that? I have no idea. Like, I mean, that's football funny is America's money. game. People look. Thursday night football exists because people will watch football no matter what. Yeah, I I don't think anybody's sitting there on Sunday saying, hmm. I'm going to watch this game instead of this game because of the color commentator. <laughs> no. I, it, it, it just blows my mind. On top of that, have you ever heard Tom Brady do interviews? No, I mean, I just said on the like, air earlier that he, there's, never, there's never been an instance where I've been like, I want to hear what Tom Brady has to say today. Like, I, it is a 
game for him to be as uninteresting as physically possible. Yeah. He does these, I, I don't know if you ever heard on on the Westwood One radio broadcast, and I think it's Monday Night Football, but he does this sponsored interview with, yeah. with Jim Gray every week, and it is like a Saturday Night Live skit for a bad <laughs> sports interview. It, it is just... The Chris Farley show? You can feel the smugness coming out of Tom Brady in yeah. the game he's playing with Jim Gray, who's completely complicit in it all. Right. Um, because he's just cashing a check here. Yeah. It is just a cliche fest. It is just nothing that could ever possibly be confused for being something interesting. Yeah. Is now he might be different now that he's out of the he might be different once he's out of the league. But typically those guys don't want to roll over on the guys they used to play with, they used right. to play against, you know, the Shaquille O'Neal's and the Charles Barkley's are a bit of a outlier there. Mm-hmm. I could see, I could see Tom Brady being completely out of his element on this. And yeah. like, how much can you charge for a commercial? You know, how much can your ratings go up? <laughs> I don't know for a product that everyone's watching anyway. I know. Uh, yeah. Or to be able to justify that, I I, I think they're buying clout. I think yeah. Fox is just buying clout. They're doing the same thing these boosters are, are doing with name, image, likeness. They're buying clout. They're buying a story to tell at cocktail parties. Back, back to Marty Bird. Buying clout. There yep. you go. Yep. Exactly. All right. Hey, thanks, Brian. No problem. Brian Newbert, goldandblack.com, joining us on the program. Obviously, uh, always an entertaining interview to have here on the show. Let's take a break. We'll come back with more Hammer Down Show. 1017 The Hammer. 1017.